everyone. I'm super excited to have an amazing guy on with me here this morning. Um, Rob Marr is fantastic. And like before I went live, I was just saying to Rob, he's extremely modest. And um, if you do come across him on LinkedIn, definitely um, reach out to him and have a conversation with this guy. Um, I, I, I met Rob on LinkedIn, actually, oddly enough. And I had a conversation with him. And from then, Rob is one of those people who have a conversation with him and your head starts going and you start thinking um, in, in really gets your, your, well, got me thinking anyways about my business and about coaching and people in a different perspective than a lot of other people. So who is Rob Murray, you might ask? Um, so Rob is, he's, he's a fantastic. So he delivers, he's part of the Next Level program and he delivers this across clients in Ireland, the UK, Canada and the US. He found his business in 2007 and he's over 20 years experience in the coaching industry and you can tell when you listen to him talking about it. Some of him, his clients are Unifar, um, Braun, Zem, KFC, Butler's, Lloyd's Pharmacy, Mr. Price, Five Guys. When you talk to a lot of coaches out there at the moment, they'll talk about all of these tools, about all of these practices, but where Rob really has an impact in um, really putting it into tuition, what it is you actually do in that forte. And he also just wrote his very first book. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's called The Last 90%. Hold it up there, Rob. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about his book, a little bit about coaching and training, and um, obviously this is the retail growth series. So we're going to talk about um, what where those gaps are, I suppose, in retail, and they're across other sectors as well. And I suppose different things we can do to to bridge those gaps and um, get a pen and paper and write down because there'll definitely be notes and takeaways from this session today. So thanks for coming on, Rob. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so just we touched on your book there before we get into anything else and um, tell me a little bit tell me about how the book came about so where did the idea of the book come about well it's um I, that's a good question actually I it did come from one particular place it was more I suppose some of it was to have uh, an effective marketing tool to be completely frank with you to have something which uh, I suppose consolidated some of my thoughts on the area that I teach and work with clients into like a, a bite-sized format that people can kind of get access to. It's something that I I use now and, and will continue to use as kind of like a business card nearly rather than necessarily a book uh, in itself. Um, it's kind of, it's part of an idea of three books that I, I wanted to put together. So I'm kind of halfway through the second one now, uh, which I'm co-writing with a colleague at the moment. Um, so yeah, the book was just kind of, it was a, an obvious thing to do in many ways. Um, for taking what I see, what I think are the challenges in business at the moment, uh, and then kind of putting it into some kind of sensible order that would make sense and allow people to get where I was coming from. Okay. And typically the people that would benefit from reading your book, would it be, would it be managers? Would it be training professionals? Like how would they use it on the job, off the job? What typically would they use it for? I suppose it's, it's not really... Like, I, I didn't want to do one of these kind of, you know, five steps to this or like three steps to that type of thing, because I think that's, I, I struggle with that sometimes is that like, well, if it was as simple as just following those three steps, then everyone would have done it. And it's like, you've, it's like, you kind of almost peddling it. Like you sold, you found the mystery to life. And actually, if you just do these three things, everything's going to be wonderful, which of course is not true. So I, I wanted to actually do something that was like 
this is how training needs to happen. This is what mentoring is. This is what coaching is. These are shortcomings in organizations the world over. And if you don't understand the foundation of how people actually learn, if you don't appreciate how that fits into your organization, it's going to be impossible for you to address it in a meaningful way. So you're going to keep finding gimmicky solutions to developing and training people. Whereas the, the title kind of gives a lot away that the, this last 90% is what I, I think generally what I see is it's a missing piece in a lot of companies. I mean, you've referenced five guys there. They're an amazing organization, so people centric, but they're, they're constantly looking to improve and coaching it as an area that we've just started this program with them this year where they think there's an opportunity to do that. So, and I think it's because like, they understand what coaching is. And I think a lot of organizations don't understand what coaching is. And because the people are not trained how to coach, they're not trained how to mentor people, and they don't receive mentoring or coaching, then it's hard for them to give it. So I think there's, there's a whole area that needs to be completely fundamentally readdressed in organizations across the world. And it's not, I, I think basically it's a shift from being task oriented to being people oriented. And moving away from just focusing on getting the work done all of the time and actually thinking, well, actually, who's doing the work? Maybe we should invest in the people and they will do the work better. So that's the kind of the thesis behind the book. Yeah, love that shift and, and love where that focus is going. And for people that don't know what that what the title of the book is and they go, what does that last 90 percent mean? Can you just maybe let us know what that stands for that 90 percent? Yeah, so I, I think it would be, in, for most people within L&D anyway, we'd, we'd be widely accepted that temp, like for someone's development journey to be complete, there needs to be 10% training, 20% mentoring, 70% coaching. So the training is the bit that we're all familiar with, which is typically kind of classroom-oriented, where someone delivers information to people that need it. So they don't have the skills, they need the information the other person has, and it's told to them, trained to them, now, the problem in some cases that training is not very good. In lots of cases, not very good. Um, but that's the kind of the main method of developing people at the moment is training them. But then you've got this other 90% that isn't in existence in many organizations where there is not a coaching and mentoring culture within the business where people get on the job help from people that are experienced to mentor, to build their confidence, to build their competence. And then we don't get the coaching thing, which is non-directive. It's where you're actually asking questions to help improve someone's performance or help take that performance onto a next level. And those skills don't often exist in businesses. Mm. And then on top of that, what a lot of people think coaching is actually is just really telling people what to do mm. on a one-to-one -one basis, or they think that mentoring, i.e., a collaborative thing is coaching and neither of those two things are coaching. So I think there's some misunderstanding about what each of those disciplines are, the training, the mentoring, coaching. I think training is frequently poor, uninspiring, non-effective. Like it's, it's accepted that you lose about 80% of the information you receive post-training if you don't implement it. And on top of that, we often try to overachieve with training. So we give them too much information to try and learn in too short a space of time. And what we actually need to do is give them one subject and then give them lots of time to learn it well. So 
lots of repetition, lots of encouragement, lots of focus. So you can move through training, mentoring and get to coaching quicker. But we don't. We, we go, right, we've got a training day. It's expensive. Let's give them all this information, which nobody remembers. Um, maybe they might pick one or two things. But at the bottom of it, what it fundamentally doesn't achieve is a change of behavior. If you think about the purpose of developing someone, it's to change their behavior. It's to improve their performance for, from any level, whether it's just beginner or a, you know a, an expert at something. And if we are using a tool which doesn't work, i.e. training on its own, and we know it doesn't work, and everyone hates going to bloody training courses which don't work because it feels like a waste of time, why are we still doing it? It's like there's no other part of business where you would spend money on something and time on something that was totally ineffective, and then you'd still keep doing it out of a tick box exercise. And I think this is partly what the problem is we spend money on it we don't see a return on investment so we don't think it's very good so we don't prioritize it so it becomes yeah. this like this necessary evil that all right we've got to train our people this month or this year where the average spend per head in north america is 1250 dollars a year per person like that wouldn't even classify as investment like that's no that's no spend at all it's all very well having online materials and they're fantastic if they are part of an overall learning environment. But if there's just like, that's the thing and you have to go and find it yourself and no one's mentoring on what you've learned, no one's helping you develop your thinking, no one's helping you utilize that to become a better, more efficient employee, colleague, contributor to the organization, adding value to the customer, then what's the point in doing it? I often think sometimes no training is better than bad training. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny you say that because I, many, many years ago, I worked in Next at the time and one of the best trainings I ever had, Rob, was actually, and to this day, I still haven't really seen it where we were sent on, uh, we were sent on a training day, but the best part, the most effective part of it was that the trainer actually followed up. And this is where I see the big gap is that there's no follow up and actually came back and said, after the seven days, what part of your daily role did you implement what we done on that course? Yeah. And because we knew we had to go back and give specific scenario examples of where we implemented it, that always stood to me. And I'm going back now about, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And that yeah. always stood out in my mind. And I always looked for training after that to see would they actually follow up with us. We had to send on photocopies of what we'd done. We had to fax it at the time we were faxing. But as in, it was, you know, yeah. there was a follow up there. And I just find a lot of the time where, where it's missing is the follow-up piece. There's no, you know, we don't go back, uh, you know, to something we done maybe six, eight weeks ago and go, you know, where have you gone now with that? How have you put your own, um, you know, your own take on it or how have you yeah. kind of developed it further? And that's the biggest area that I see that we seem to fall down on a lot. What do you think about that? I think it's true. I think, but I mean, even with what you described though, it sounds like they'd outsource the follow-up to the trainer. Yeah. yeah, and that's like okay, that's fine if you want to pay for that person to do that. It's 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 why, and I'm very lucky to work with some absolutely amazing companies. It's why more often than not, they usually want to do coaching follow up. They want to train their managers how to coach, 
and they want to do the training. They, they're interested in the whole piece. They're not interested in just doing some training or get the trainer just to do it. They want to see the whole cycle. They want to see the tide lifting and lifting all of the boats. Mm. And I think it's it's the investment in the people. It's, it's actually a mentality shift. It's actually saying, yeah. I want to follow up. Like, I'm sure if there's anyone watching this, if you've attended training, how many times did that happen? How many times did you go on training, did someone follow up and ask you what you learned and then ask you to show them what you'd implemented? Such a simple thing. How often do we do it? I don't know. Not much, I would think. Yeah, definitely. And I I always, and I, and I don't see this a lot, but in a lot of places I worked, Rob, um, you know, you would, there'd be certain people that you would, I used to fall into mentoring certain managers and certain businesses. And it was just because there, there you know, there wasn't that there. And mm. I remember when I went through, I had gotten a promotion and I was really, it was my first time managing people. And it was a very, it was a hard, you know, when, when you're working at the same level as people and then you're promoted within that same group, yeah. there is an adjustment where you're trying to find your feet. And I'm thinking how amazing would it have been back then if I rewind back years ago, if I had a mentor or somebody there to support me in that transition. And, and I just think it's something that, is really needed at the moment where in-house mentors can support those people that are maybe having um you know maybe adjusting into those leadership roles for the first time or there may be challenge with people issues for the first time do you see a lot of those mentoring programs out there in-house because i don't see that a lot at the moment i see some like i don't i don't think it's completely non-existent but i think i think there's often uh leadership programs i think there's often um uh, attempts from a training perspective to actually you know help develop people's skills I think that that transition you've described I actually think is one of the hardest transitions as an employee to make when you go from colleague to their manager or their leader I certainly found it myself when that happened to me and I it's a constant type of conversation that comes up in coaching course when a client has been promoted through and it's just helping them make that transition to the new role now again I work with some great companies, so I'm really fortunate that they often invest back in and say, let's help them with that transition. Let's give them additional coaching. Let's ask. So I see it perhaps because of maybe the type of companies that I'm working with. Like a company that isn't interested in that wouldn't be working with me anyway. So I'm quite fortunate in that regard. I do think there's a broader challenge, which is we often promote people based on their competence at the last job but don't give them enough consideration to do with, well, what's the new job look like? So you end up like someone that may have not had to manage people before or coach them or mentor or develop or train them. Because they were good at a job, they're now doing a different job. But it's like, but managing leading people is not the same as being really competent at doing those tasks. So it's like, so what's the different set of skills? What does the new job look like? And what I see quite a lot is, or have seen actually, is, is like a burnout where someone feel they still try to do the old job because they're because they're accountable, responsible people, because they take ownership and they want to be successful. They're still trying to make sure that everything they used to do is being done. So they end up overreaching, mm. doing more than they should, and try to do the new job at the same time. And it's like, and they just get really super stressed in the middle. So I think that's where it's being clear what the new job is. It's like, we'll just manage that group of people that you used to be good at that job. 
but it's like two totally different jobs. Yeah, totally. And totally. a recognition of that is that that's all it needs is just a recognition that the new job is not the same as the old job and you need new skills to do the new job well. You don't need to just repeat the old skills of the old job. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it's it's so funny you touched on that because I'm smiling here thinking to myself many years ago I was I got promoted quite quickly. Um when in one of the first retailers I worked with and I remember moving it was the same job I was in where I was shop floor staff and I moved from the shop floor up to to management and at the time I got that promotion I didn't have to be honest with you those leadership skills I was really good at my job yeah I got promoted because I was good at my job in that particular area and I was exceeding in it but I didn't have and that's why that transition was quite hard because I didn't have though you know I wasn't used to I didn't know about delegation so (laughs) I went from you know I went from doing all the work myself to now leading a team and what ended up actually happening was I done all of the staff's work including my own because I didn't understand how to delegate I felt uncomfortable asking them to do tasks so I would end up doing my own tasks and all of those and actually remember one of the staff turned to me one day and said um you seem really stressed and I said oh no I'm just trying to get everything done and they were like I can see that Louise but you know you do have people here that actually want to do the work with you like you know and you're doing all the work yourself and she actually pointed out to me that you know I'm running around like a headless chicken and she was like all of us are here waiting for you to tell us what needs to get done but you don't want to worry us or give us work because you feel that you know you just want us to be happy and whatever and um I didn't realize that and that was a staff member that pointed that out to me at the time you know what I mean Uh, I remember going oh my god I didn't re- I was so caught up in my own head but again it goes back to I didn't you know you can't see it at the time and like that you're you're doing the same work because you're in the same company you're in the same you're yeah. on the same house it's different if you got promoted or if you moved to a different organization when you get promoted in-house the adjustment is very very different because you're yeah. still in that same department it's, it's even just the, the time, the, the being allowed the time to develop, but also for your mentor, your coach, your leader to have the time to be able to invest back into you to ensure that's a good transition. Too often it's, you know, sink or swim. Good luck with that. You've proved it and you go, yeah, I got the job. And you go, oh, crap, I've got this job. It's awful. And <laughs> like, I, like I remember I quit very early on after my first like regional when I got my first area job. Yeah. I was absolutely in bits after a few weeks. I was just like, nobody's turning up to meet me. It was just like, I don't know what to do. I had none of the skills at all, like zero. Like I had lots of me skills of just being me, but I didn't have any like, <laughs> I actually think I, I was like minus skills in the new job. I was actually actively making things worse in the new job. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's really difficult. But again, I think this this comes down fundamentally to, the way we think about developing people. It's like, it's not just training and then that's kind of it. And, you know, so much time and energy is wasted on stuff that has zero chance of success. Like if you knew, I mean, it's proven, there's a model that people learn through. Like we know how people learn. It's not a mystery. It's not like 
the five steps to a magical formula thing like we talked about earlier. It's like, we know how people learn. We know they need repetition. We know they need encouragement. We know they need to develop their confidence and competence as they're doing it. And then for them to really excel, we know they need coaching. We all know this, right? It's not like, oh, really? That's fascinating. I never heard that before. You know it about yourself. Like that phrase, teach someone to fish, you know, give a man a fish and they'll eat for a day, teach a man a fish, they'll eat forever. That's yeah. been around forever. Yeah. Like, why is that such a foreign concept when our organizations are full of amazing people mm. that actually to put the proper time and investment into them will reap a reward? I don't understand how there can be a disconnect around that. But at some point in the last however many years, mm. we've, we've become lost. Like we, we think that uh, the work is the most important thing. And the work is not the most important thing. The work is a way to teach people and elevate people's confidence. It is not the main thing. It is a byproduct of teams working well. When teams work well, the work is a brilliant byproduct, byproduct of it. But when the work is the focus, all you get is unhappy teams. Yeah. They're just stressed. They're just working really hard trying to get all the work done. And it, and it creates more problems because the more work you complete, the more work companies expect. So yeah. it's like, where's, it, where's efficiency in that? Where's innovation in that? Where's creativity in that journey, that conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when do we actually spend time going, hey, let's just rethink how we look after our customers? Mm. Like it's it's so binary kind of this approach of it's either invest or don't invest. You either look after your people or you don't. It's not like that. It's like mm. always look after your people, always develop them, always train them. And then you will get great results. It's like we use sport all the time in business as an analogy, all the time, yet miss the very basic component of six days of training to have one good result a game, right? All people do in sport is train and practice and get feedback and get coached and get encouraged and help people improve micro pieces of their comp- competence yeah. to become good for when they need to deliver. Yeah, in business, it's totally the opposite. It's all all about the game and not about the development. Yet we're always talking about sport analogies. And it's like, well, the most fundamental analogy about sport is they invest most of their time in training, coaching, and mentoring. Yeah. And then the work takes care of itself. You have excellence because of that. Yeah. I think think from for me looking at it from from managing people it's it's not built into the day-to-day practices so you know i found and and a thing that always came up that got in the way was time rob and 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 i just it's it always seems to be a time thing but you know i think what ends up happening to managers is you're told you know you have to have your conference calls you're told you have to do all of these deliverables you're not given any time to train the team but then you're expected to take train the team within doing all of your tasks but you're not being allotted that time daily to train the team you know so it's it's kind of like we're going to give you an hour to a month to do a product launch but then we're not going to bother giving you the time 
we're not going to give you the hours, the man hours every day to actually set aside this time to do the training. And that's the biggest issue I see is that when we want to drive KPIs or drive product launches, we'll give the time. It'll be a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sort of a job. We'll do yeah. it once a month and then they're going to go off into the, into the, you know, into the distance and they're going to do all this selling stuff. And uh, it's going to be amazing. And everyone is pumped up. And then, you know, after you do the launch, it just goes like kind of plateaus a little bit um well the launch was just another piece of work that needed to get done so the focus wasn't on the developing of people it's like what's what's the information we need to get across to people so that we can do the thing you can tick the box and then move on to the next thing whereas you wouldn't even need to plan for those events if you were developing your people all the time yeah yeah you'd be using that as another way to teach people yeah yeah I think for a lot of for a lot of places I see it's it's the short term gain they're looking for that you know that immediate like what you touched on that immediate almost response we're not looking at the we're not investing in the long term and that seems to be the same issue that still exists that that's existed for a long time I think yeah it's just it's the problem is is that we've become so used to it that it's become normal and it's not that I, I'm certainly not in any kind of finger pointing game here because I get it. And even in, in my own business, you get very preoccupied with the work and it's very easy to deprioritize investing in myself. Like when was the last training course I went on? When was the last coaching? Do I have a coach? Do I have a mentor? So it's something I have to even in my own little enterprise, I have to keep investing in those things. Like I have a 12 month program I'm in. I've got like three different coaches that give me coaching on different things. Because if I don't have that, then I'm not investing in me. And if I'm not investing in me, how can I talk to other people about it? Like it's, it's a cultural and I've, and for years I thought the work was most important too. Mm. And it's only since actually I put myself at the center of the business in terms of me coaching, developing, learning myself reading more books, attending more programs. Like every year I'll do a course which is slightly left of centre to just give me some fresh thinking about something in addition to the other stuff. Because I've realised if I don't do that, then I'm not living my values. And it's it's totally, it's BS for me to coach other people on how they should put people at the centre of the organisation if I can't even put myself at the centre of mine. Yeah, yeah. it's a cultural thing. Like it's a shift in thinking where you go, the people are the most important thing. Let's just put the work to the side for a second. Let's think about how we can use the work to develop our people, not how do we use our people to do the work? Because one has only got, it's just like more work, more work, more work. Like thinking about what did we learn today? What could we improve tomorrow? Like what, changes do we need to make based on what we learned today like is there something that we could improve on that would actually deliver more value for our customers we're just it's so basic in lots of organizations and that's i get it right i get it i've worked in organizations that are like that i've run my own business exactly like that it's very easy to get like attracted to the work mm-hmm. because it feels like you're being productive but actually it's it's like this false reality where you don't improve at all. You just plateau because the work is the work is the work and you don't get to really tap into anything meaningful. 
Whereas I'm sure you would agree, and I certainly experience it. Like I had a call with one of my coaches on Friday, and it was just like an hour and a quarter. And like that hour and a quarter, it's like worth 10 hours just by being asked the right questions, being someone pushing you, challenging your paradigms, challenging the way you think about stuff. And it unlocks potential. So like even on the back of that hour, I've got like three different things. One of them I've already taken action on that was, I was just blocked on it. But then as soon as I had that call, I go, there's no reason to be blocked. Let's get going. And you start moving forward. Whereas if it was just about the work, I never would even book the call because I still have work to do, but you don't prioritize the coaching. Whereas actually the coaching allows you to do better work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a fundamental thing. I just, I don't blame organization. I get it. I completely get it. I've been that organization, even in a micro way, I've been that organization where it's just work, work, work. But then when you go beyond that and you can see the value of not behaving that way, mm. then you, the benefits can be extraordinary. The benefits can be extraordinary. Like the transformation that can occur with people at the heart of your business is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Have you you any of those that you can share, Rob? Has there been a a thing where you've seen, where you've seen that shift, that turnaround, and what's the impact been? Like just, I mean, just recently we were working with, I won't mention any of the specific names, but like literally working with with one person that was doing 70, 80 hours a week, this is just quite recently. And they were like, they've literally described the change in their situation as life-changing, right? That It shouldn't be that profound, it shouldn't be that I can come in and it be life-changing. And I'm not saying that as about me. I'm saying about making some small changes actually for this person with a big team, big responsibility. That shouldn't be such a difficult nut to crack. Like there was nothing that we worked on together and she did all of the work. I take no credit for that at all. She did, you know, information's one thing, like implementation's another, right? So, you know, she did everything. She deserves 100% of the credit. Mm. But just by having that bit of encouragement, almost permission nearly to make the changes, mm. if she then made that change, she did it, which is, again, all her. And it was fundamentally, her role is fundamentally different now because of those steps she's taken. And they're not mad steps. Like one of them is finish on time. Like I know that sounds crazy, but just saying that my evening is as important as my day yeah is is profoundly different where it's like the alternative to that is my evening's not as important as my day so i'm going to flip up the laptop after dinner I, maybe i'll get a chance to put the kids to bed maybe i won't maybe i'll get a chance to have dinner with my family maybe i won't maybe i'll get to go and play my sport maybe i won't you know i've got to get that work done or the work can wait it's yeah. That shouldn't be a life-changing thing, but it is for a lot of people. It's just this bleed into their social lives, personal lives, their intellectual lives, like just having some headspace to not be thinking about work. Mm. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing to me how very small changes actually in the grand scheme of things can yield such a, a massive return. So I don't, I don't think the answers are very far from us. Um, but it does involve like stopping the bus for a second and going, what are we at here? Like, is everyone burnt out? Is everyone stressed? 
if they are, maybe they're not being productive. Yeah. I remember we did, we, there was a, a scenario with someone that was changing jobs mm. and they'd, they'd kind of been tasked with doing two handover documents. And one was like about all of the businesses they were working with. And then the other was with all the people they were working with in those businesses. And it was like, you know, giving details about all of the different relationships to hand to the next person. So they could kind of go, makes sense, right? Yeah. But they were like, I'm going to have to take the whole day to do this. And they were just like stressed and busy. And, it was like, and they were like, I look, I'm going to have to cut our call short by like 20 minutes, uh, by, by half an hour, because I just don't have time. And they were like, I've got to write all this these reports up. And I was like, well, why don't you introduce a scoring system instead and describe what those scores mean and then just score each of those businesses and score each of those people relative to that so you can just kind of go they're a four out of ten they're a five out of ten they're a nine out of ten and just do it that way she's like oh right okay and then we did the scoring thing in about 10 minutes and she had the whole thing finished before the end of our call and then we still got time to talk about the other stuff and she had the whole day blocked for that and that's that's not a criticism of her or the organization that's just when we are busy running at 100 miles an hour we don't think about what's the best way to do things we just pick up the job and we're like let's get it done get it done get it done get it done whereas yeah. that's if even if you took that as a coaching opportunity that's that's a way of thinking that was different to what they were doing then I wonder whether any other applications for a similar process where we need to pass on information where we could use scoring as a good exercise rather than detail. So you can then utilize that piece of work if you stop and slow down to go, I wonder what are the other applications we have? Transfer, replicate, improve the whole organization. And there, of course, there were, like when we followed that conversation through, there was like, we could use it for this, we could use it for that. But if we're working too much or we're not, running at 100 miles now we've no time to think about innovation or creativity or efficiency mm. we just do the work so it's it's a shift right it's a big shift it's an easy shift but you need like a, a, the will to behave differently towards the work you've got to say the work is less important than the people yeah that, that's a hard right to take if the business is set up to be focused on tasks. So I don't, I genuinely believe there's very, very few people that go into work trying to do a bad job. Very, very few people. Like I think most of the time, most people go into work wanting to add value, wanting to contribute, wanting to have some meaning to their work, wanting to be in a good team, wanting to be developed. I don't, I don't, I don't ever, I, don't, I rare, rarely see mm bad apples if you want to use the generic term very rarely see that i see people that have just completely disenfranchised or there's poor communication or there's been a lack of investment but if you think about how it translates to our human relationships like with your partners your your boyfriends your girlfriends your husbands your wives your friendships your family we have to put effort into our relationships to make them work like mm. it's it's not like a given yet we've got relationships all day long at work what's the focus is the focus on the relationship or is the focus on the activity so it's it's a small shift but also a really big shift as well but the results on the other side are transformational when you make the change
Yeah, I love that. It's that inward approach, I think, Rob. And sometimes where we're, we focus on the people outside of the, the business, being the customers and the tasks and stuff, and we forget about the people inside. And, and a lot of the time, the focus of the people inside would, from my perspective, would be when there's a problem, like, okay, let's introduce training. There's a problem. We're not meeting the yeah. KPIs. Let's introduce training. And then we're going to, we're going to bring you all away for a training day, or we're going to send someone down to train you. We all know what needs to get done. We all know the job. We get trained in the jobs that we know we're able to do, but it's, there's other stuff going on, I think. And you know what? You were talking there about a couple of things and you said something earlier and it stood out to me because I haven't heard anyone say it before. I think you're one of the only people I've actually heard say this. There's a big focus at the moment around well-being in the workplace. And I think that example you gave of the client, um, you know, taking the whole day wanting to get tasks done that she felt was the whole day needing to get done but really she just needed to implement a process in order to make that task easier that she couldn't see because she was going 90 miles an hour and you said to me earlier around you know we're focusing on the the well-being which is kind of where we're needing when it's gotten to that point where we don't have any balance but you said to me earlier if we really looked at having proper things in place the coaching the mentoring the training that that maybe then we wouldn't need all of these things maybe applied because it's gotten to that point now where people need that as a remedy yeah i think that's true and that's not to say there are, there are genuine cases where yeah. there needs to be some profound change in organizations of course but you know the topics around wellness and mental health and so on are so important and but that in a way that is culturally where the business needs to get out addressing wellness is not putting on a wellness seminar or addressing mental health issues is not having a talk on mental health issues it's yeah. actually behaving in a way towards people that enable them to have good mental health as much as possible it's enabling them to choose I'd rather go for a walk right now to de-stress than to get that thing done by one o'clock. Can I do it by two so I can de-stress a bit? And it's about having the ability for that person to go, do you know what, I'm actually not going to do the work. I'm going to look after myself. And I'm not qualified to speak about wellness or mental health. I'm a thousand percent not, right? A thousand percent not. But to me, I think if you are caring for people by developing them, investing in them and so on, and giving them permission to contribute, to be of value, to manage their working day, to decide what the appropriate course of action is, to contribute ideas for efficiency, to cut corners and keep quality. There's, people have so much capability within them, yes. yet we don't utilize it. So I, I can only, I think the only person I can speak about with confidence around health and well-being and mental health is myself because I am me. <laughs> so that's the only person I feel qualified to talk about. And I know in myself, if I feel like I'm contributing in my work and making a difference, yet I'm also still able to go for a walk at lunchtime and get some fresh air and not start first thing in the morning and not be working all night and have that balance then I am a better version of myself. I feel less stressed. I feel less compressed. And you could, running your own business, of course, you can be working at it all of the time. Mm. But you're not that productive. Whereas now I actually work probably less than I've ever done in many ways. Um, 
but I'm infinitely more productive. Like I never had, believe it or not, like the business is performing as well as it's ever performed, but I've, I'm working less. I never had time to do a book before, even though I've been wanting to do a book for nearly 10 years. Yeah. So it's not that I'm working more. It's actually that I'm working on the right things, which allow me time to then add more value. And that book allows me an opportunity to potentially reach more people or to create more opportunities for myself or hopefully get some messages across to people that might be difficult for me to do otherwise. Mm. So it's, I'm not sure that it's the two necessarily, you know, I think one definitely could help the other. Like if we prioritize people as the main investment, which they often are, they're often the biggest cost to an organization. So if we say, well, that biggest cost should be the thing we invest most of our money into and time and making those people feel as able as possible to contribute, then the results should flow from that. And where they don't, then we can have those conversations with people as adults and say, well, look, we're giving you lots of opportunity to demonstrate how good you can be, but you're not taking the opportunity. What can we do to help with that? It doesn't need to be this attritional, you're performing or you're not performing. It doesn't need to be uh, productivity versus no productivity. It can just be, let's, let's put our entire investment into people meaningfully on a daily basis, not as a not as a course or a training event, but on a daily basis, coaching people, mentoring people, being interested in their ideas, encouraging their contribution. And let's see where that takes us. I don't think, I don't think that's a hard message to sell. It's like Mm. put time and energy into relationships, which are important. Maybe you'll get something out of that. Yeah. Just a thought. And like, as, as I say, I'm very lucky to work with, a number of organizations so some of the people on the list there past some of them present and some obviously new clients are working with at the moment and what's consistent in them when we start talking in the first place is their intention and uh, focus on valuing their people and to me that's like a that's a green light for me mm. as soon as we start talking about what's needed and they ask questions like what's the right thing to do here mm. to me that's like amazing because you're not going to agree to everything. No one has unlimited budgets for things. But when organizations are saying, what's the right thing to do? What's the best way we can support our people? What's the best set of skills we can give them? You're immediately kind of going, this can probably has a very high chance of going well because they're aligned. They may not, I mean, but some of them by their own admission would say, well, we're not where we want to be, um, but they're on that process of putting the people at the center of the business um and some organizations culturally just have it you know they just do have it um but it shouldn't be just taken as a granted that that's always the case you know like it takes intention from leadership and ownership of those organizations to want to put their people first and i also fully accept it's really hard to do that because there's a lot of work to do and We've, we've got limited resources in some cases and high expectations. So it's not, there's no such thing as a light switch with any of this. You know, if it was, I'd write a book on that. I just go, just do this and then everything's going to be fine. And then everyone does it and everything's fine and I make millions, right? It's the problem with it is it does take time and it does take investment and it does take effort, human effort, working with other humans to, it, it, improve and and, uh, increase the value in each other Mm. 
that's that takes a bit of effort. And at the same time, you think, oh, what about the work though? And it's like, well, the work will get done. It's okay. These are conscientious people, but the focus has to be on them so they can be adults and contribute in a way that's really meaningful, which then helps them feel good to be part of that organization. And that can be done in small businesses too. It doesn't have to be like the Googles of this world or whatever. It can be achieved in a shop. Like you've all been in those businesses where you go, it's lovely in here. It's really nice. Like the staff are great. It's a good vibe. You can have like three people and have that vibe. Like I try to create that vibe in my little venture because I want to work with people that are similarly motivated. I want to encourage them. I want to support them. I want them to encourage and support me because it helps us do more, all of us. So uh, it's really exciting, but it's, oh my God, there's so much work to do and it's, no judgments needed here. It's like we all work very, very hard. We're all very, very busy. So there's a lot of priorities that need to shift, and you can't rush that. It takes time. So you need some empathy and some care around the length of the journey. But also, if you don't start, then you never happen. So it's committing to that long-term investment where you're going to get the biggest return on it, which I think is your people. Yeah. Love that and love that. It's it's you know, going back to that, it's it's looking at the whole the whole process, the whole individual and the whole relationship as opposed to this is kind of the output, this is the issue. And sometimes we look at the results as a as a metric um, yeah. and we don't always go back to you know what those inputs are, do you know what and you talked a lot around I'm hearing a lot around the behaviors and all of that and and people and behaviors people are very attached to their behaviors we're yeah. very attached to our habits and behaviors and I think that's something that takes a while to really crack I don't think it's something that you, you, you don't do and it's a lot of a lot of work on the individual as well a lot of reflecting yeah. a lot of and a lot of the learnings I took when I was in leadership roles when I had to have difficult conversations with people I used to journal and oddly enough uh, I found journaling really helped me self-reflect how I was maybe coming across um, and how I was dealing with those difficult conversations with people because I didn't have a mentor there was no coaching program but how I had to try and get through it was journaling because I I lead with emotion yes I I, I'm an emotionally led um it doesn't mean I start crying at the drop of a hat I you know for anyone out there but I, I do I'm, I, I have a lot of empathy and and, mm. and and years ago you know if you had a lot of empathy in leadership roles people would perceive that as you know you being and and it's not seen that way now but it was seen that way a long time ago that yeah. you were maybe a little bit weak or maybe that you were you know having that flexibility about you well you have to be stern and you know and it was never my way of of leading but you know I found the journaling thing really helped me because it was yeah. like well is it all about me and yeah. you know what I figured out from journaling was having difficult conversations I would go into myself and I would make it all about me when it really wasn't about me at all you know I needed to get out of my own head yeah. and 
make it about the person and the situation and and be abstract in that process and look at it really more logically in in that sense and and taking away that my own way of feeling about the situation or attachment to whatever that issue is and taking that piece out of it and it was that was a big learning piece for me and 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 even people I've worked with I said have you tried writing it down and because there's a lot of perspective and when we when we write there's there there is it when you write things down and I do a lot of brain dumps um, mm. where I write things down and it, it helps get it out but also helps solidify what actually is going on that you can actually yeah. make sense of it a little bit as well so yeah I loved hearing this and do you know what Rob I don't know if you realise this but when you're talking your passion comes through so much and uh, when you're talking about different things um, it's so obvious I cannot wait to read this book because I, I, I love hearing about all these different stories that you have and anything you say it's really practical and it takes all of the all of the kind of you know a lot of people use jargon words in in the L&D space and I've seen it a lot and I think it really not puts people off but it kind of makes it appear that it's harder to do than what it actually is yeah. um, and I think you come you come at it from an easy to do way you know what it's simple everyday things we ask these questions we, 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 you know, we have, we initiate these conversations and it has that flow going. Um, I've loved having you on this talk today. And if anyone wants to get in touch with Rob, he's on LinkedIn. His book is released. There's another two coming in this series. Um, yep. And it's robmar.ie. He's amazing. I definitely have a call with him and chat to him because from a people perspective, he has so many creative ideas and he's so much experience in that piece as well that he can definitely help if you're feeling in any way that you need that bit of advice, support and um, yeah, touch base with him. Thank you so much, Rob, for your time today. You're welcome. It's been fun. Thanks for asking me. I was, I was, it's, kind of, it's nice to be asked and I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the, the time. I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you.